Clover Days Collective. This is Take Two. Is Take Two. We have Kieran Fox, not in the building, in Liverpool actually. So on a laptop, in my case. Kieran, how are you doing? Oh, I'm amazing, Debbie. I have had like the most relaxed, chilled morning. I usually get up quite early, but this morning, I'm just like, I was so like uh, tortured by the idea of like having a set routine and like doing a certain thing every morning to like do this perfect thing as a high performer. And I'm not going to lie, I basically self harmed myself with the likes of my routines. You know, you end up judging yourself and blaming yourself and all these things when you don't do it. So I'm a lot more flexible now. So got up this morning, I like had a great time with Jess, and then we went for a walk. We grabbed a coffee. We were chatting to a few of the people on like the lane where we live. Uh, it's just been a great morning. How are you? I am good. In terms of morning routines, right? What have you done that kind of worked for you, or did you just scrap everything? Um, do you want the do you want the like uh, everyday answer or do you want the no bullshit straight to the point answer? Um, you know the answer. To it yourself. You know what I'm gonna say. Of course, it's the no fucking bullshit one. <laughs> yeah, of course. So I have. If I was to give you some honest reflection, I have gone through many different transformational cycles over the last two years because of how difficult my life has been in so many ways between business between my personal relationship with myself and the level of commitment to honestly showing up and being honest doing the honest work looking at all of my insecurities my areas that I'm shameful for and blameful of and it's led me down a really crazy path which we can certainly dive into but you know if I was to come back to the surface level and say about my routine like as I said I just mentioned I'm a lot more fluid in my routine you know I was so bound by the idea of being and doing a certain thing to be someone else to do what that person is doing because they're successful and that fucked me up for like a really fucking long time and it's still only now over the last few months where I've you know I've really hit a level of depth with my own relationship that I have that true confidence and we can go deep into what that is as well um which really is a level of self-trust with myself knowing that i don't need a plan i don't need this routine or this like magic thing to like create the future me who i am right now knows listening to myself right now also knows what i need to do so from that point of view very flexible but it also means again i'll be very high performing and in everything I do, that's you know, my typical perfectionist, overachieving, um, avoidant type of individual with my personality type as well is that I'm super chill, but I'm also, if I'm like, if I'm chilling, I'm chilling. If I'm working, you can be damn sure I'm working and I'm creating like product with any productivity. And, and that's certainly an outcome of a very fucked up long process of doing things so wrong for such a long time. But it allows me now to be flexible with my day. So it's fun. We're having a lot of fun at the moment. Yeah, that makes sense. I often used to find myself getting caught up in other people's recommendations that I would have not even looked up to, right? But respected. I never, like, uh, what do you call it? I try to read up a little bit about Stoicism and there's always that, like, what would Jesus do kind of approach to things. And what a lot of philosophers ask is, who is your Jesus? Um, but, but I never really had that one idol 
that I would like religiously follow or listen to. So what ended up happening is I started to get a massive mix, a massive mix of what Tony Robbins would recommend and what Gary Vee would recommend and um, Mel Robbins as well, 54321. So, but when I was younger, when I say younger, I mean probably early 20s, I was doing things blindly without questioning them and without the knowledge of, listen, does this apply to me? <laughs> you know, uh, do I have the time for this? And then it, I just ended up beating myself up in the long run because I wasn't waking up at 5 a.m. And because I wasn't meditating for 30 minutes outside. You know what I mean? It just like keeps going. Um, but I appreciate you for admitting that a and shining a light on it but b i also know that people have to go through it themselves in order to like understand that that's not the way you know what i mean probably everyone can say listen that's not how it is um but unless you do it and unless it fucks you unless it actually fucks you up you're never gonna learn i hope not even i hope i hope it's the other way around but yeah proceed with caution with everything that you understand if anyone's listening to this also proceed with caution with what you're going to say next Kieran, as well like <laughs> and what i say full of shit sometimes not all the time but like yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah like everything you know? with, uh, like everything with a uh, a big pinch of salt and i think that's where the self-awareness part comes in and you know like it's crazy like the world we live in now okay I can take out my phone, okay? Like I got an iPhone recently. I'm only like new to the whole Apple iPhone game and now I'm like totally converted. I'm like, I got to get everything Apple. Steve Jobs did a great so job. Crisp. Well done. Yeah, he did. Oh, isn't it? It's just, it's easy. It's a user's experience and I appreciate the fuck out of that. Um, so I reached, I reached on my phone and I realized, holy shit, like not that I didn't have access to it anyway, but like Google is an Oracle and an Oracle being you ask it a question, it will give you the answer. And more often than not, it will give you a pretty decent answer if you know how to ask the right questions and you know the right areas to look. Now that is again, double edged like a sword because any form of awareness has that element of expansion and, Oh my God, this is like a new thing that I can do and be, but then there's the opposite side as well of now that I have that awareness and I know that thing I should be doing, then we have the opposite side of the coin, which is now that I know this, but I haven't done this thing, I beat the fuck out of myself. I'm judging the fuck out of myself. I'm saying I'm not good enough. I'm blaming myself. I'm ruining my own level of self-esteem with myself. I'm digging this hole of self-doubt and I'm jumping into it, which I'm just like covering over with all this avoidance of the rest of my life and my responsibility all because we have access to information, but we don't have access to awareness or at least the uh, responsibility of what the power of awareness really is. You know, and I go back to, I'm like, I'm like a big Marvel fan. Like I love superheroes and all the fucking crazy sci-fi fun. Um, and, you know, like the first Spider-Man movie, Tobey Maguire, okay, he's in the car with his like grandfather and, or, and, his, and his, his granddad or his uncle, Uncle Ben. And he's like, you know, with great power, great responsibility. And I would take that back to awareness, you know, with, with great awareness, great responsibility, with great curiosity, great responsibility as well. 
Okay. And let's dive into what you said with great awareness and great responsibility. Is that responsibility towards taking care of yourself? What is that responsibility directed towards? That's a great question. It always starts with you. It always starts with you. And it's sexy to focus on other people. It's, it, it's, it, it's encouraged to not focus on yourself, to do for others. And, oh, if you're, if you're prioritizing yourself, then you're just selfish. It's like, no, you're not selfish because if you truly care. And, you know, I love people that stand up to the conventional and traditional norms that society likes to uh, waver itself by. And I know people have a lot of um, opinions, but a lot of, a lot of fucking things, but you know, opinions are almost like thoughts. They come and go <laughs> and a lot of them aren't important um, or at least for our attention to focus on Jordan Peterson. I love his, like his whole perspective on uh, bits and pieces, but being the monster. And like, what does it mean to be the monster? It's like, you don't do bad things. It's that you have the ability and the power to do like a lot of harm. But as a result of that awareness, you take the responsibility on what it means to do good for yourself. And this kind of heroic battle, you know, again, I'm just speaking for how I understand the world. And I'm going to give you a perspective of how I see with myself. That might be different to how I work in my like professional setting. I'm just going to tell you like what is Kiran's mind. Okay. And this conversation of good and evil or good and bad or what that looks like, I take you know, a lot of responsibility with that on myself. And when it comes back to awareness, just because you have awareness doesn't mean that you are doing the best for yourself or doing the best for other people around you. For the majority of the time, we have to go through this journey of getting absolutely fucked by our ego. And as a result of, as you said, like shit hitting the fan, we decide to wake up to things. And again, like that's, that's okay. Like it, it takes that level of acuity for the majority of human beings to change. <laughs> like, thank you, the nervous system that we have, but, but as well, can you hit me with the question again? I want to make sure I don't go too far off topic because there's a lot of don't areas worry. my mind goes through with this. Uh, the last question I asked you was, with great awareness comes great responsibility. Mm. What is that responsibility mm. directed towards? Yeah, thank you for the redirection. Um, <laughs> the responsibility of prioritizing yourself first and what it means to do that, which is, it's scary it's difficult, but the most important thing, it's fucking honest. If you are, okay, if you are the, the central pillar of your life, if you live in a world of constant variables and uncertainty, today is not going to be the same as tomorrow and the day after and the day after, okay? Hence why I don't really like plans that much, as you can already see. But if the constant variable that does not change, the constant is you, then that means the more that I honestly look at prioritizing the relationship with myself, the dynamic between me and me, everything else will either flourish or become shit as a result, or I'll have to learn the difficult way, or I can see with a little bit more foresight and take on the responsibility, delay the gratification a little bit more, discipline myself a little bit more because I have a stronger meaning. I have a stronger reason. I have a stronger why, because I'm not doing it for other people. I'm doing it for me. And that's a very difficult process. But waking up to that first part of that honest conversation with you allows you to embrace a little bit more responsibility in your life so that you don't have to learn 
like the most difficult way, <laughs> you know, and I could talk about difficulty in general, but I mean, where does like, where does your mind go when I say like some of that stuff, what's the whiteboard if for you mentally when I jump into a little bit of that? Whiteboard for me when I jump in a little bit into that. No, I agree entirely. And, uh, there is a line, I spoke about this, um, on social media recently where there is a line between selfishness and self-care. Because someone had commented saying that selfishness is a virtue, which is selfishness, obviously, in the right way we're talking about, not like being a selfish asshole, uh, but doing things that prioritize you first in order to help someone else. But then someone commented back saying, listen, the definition of selfishness is, I can't fucking like narrate that, but it actually is in a kind of bad light. What you guys are talking about is self-care. And I never thought about self-care other than a face mask and going to the spa or giving yourself like uh, just three hours of Netflix without guilt. I never thought of self-care as being honest with yourself and checking in with yourself in a more powerful, a meaningful way to just like literally grab, not even like, get your steering wheel, like you're back in the driver's seat and you're going to steer yourself in the right direction again. So I completely agree with the statement you said, with great awareness comes great responsibility. Because I think sometimes people also have a lot of awareness about like, let's say certain topics that other people might not be educated on. And they use that responsibility irresponsibly by like, let's say something like... misinformation on social media uh, steering like stirring the pot a little bit more than you would like fear-mongering it goes into like different examples you know what i mean so yeah um when you mentioned about like your not obsession but uh, when you first started this chat with me you mentioned that your morning routine has changed significantly but you had to fuck yourself over first what did the last day of that fuckery look like for you? Like, what were the signs that said, listen, Kiran, stop this, do better? Powerful. You, you, you're getting some honest answers here. I like it. And I, I want to just reiterate as well, like when you're mentioning like, oh, you have to fuck yourself up. And I just wanted to find that for anyone listening. Like, I don't mean intentionally fucking yourself up. I mean, owning up to the honesty of your life and then opening the door to whatever pain and discomfort and uncomfortableness that comes through that door. Now, I don't say that with any sense of trivia as well. That is difficult. And the majority of people, if you say that to them, would say, yeah, of course I want to do that. Wanting to isn't the issue. Knowing how to and executing on that, that's the issue. And that's really what I've dedicated my life to since I left working in a hospital like a number of years ago is to teaching people that method because like I'm a self-experimenter. Like I'm a, I'm a crazy adventurer. I'm someone who's uh, been plagued by my curiosity because of some of the things I've done to benefit my life and also detriment my life over the years. And that's given me a very unique perspective on myself and as a result of anything else that I do as well. And coming back to like, what is that climax for that change in my routine? It was for myself realizing that there were certain things that I was doing in my life that I realized would completely 
potentially ruin everything I've built, everything I've done because of how self-destructive it was, because of how tormenting it was. And this came back to the overly high expectations of myself, the version of myself that, you know, when I think of the type of response that I have with my relationships and my attachment styles with people, I would be very typical of uh, people pleasing, of like doing what other people say, of like not disappointing people, of making sure I live up to your expectations because, you know, that's the most important thing to make sure that we're in a safe environment and I don't piss you off so that you show me the love that I don't have for myself that I need to be validated from you. And going through a lot of that process and unwinding the history of where that's come from and, you know, what's been really traumatic in my life between past relationships between experiences as I grew up as a child and as a teenager, like that's been the journey. Like that is the only conversation for me. So I had like, <laughs> I had like time to myself in like our apartment in Liverpool. We live next to like uh, one of the big parks in Liverpool. It's beautiful. It's like basically our back garden. And usually I would really struggle to spend time on my own. I'm a, I'm a trained, I'm a trained introvert, but I'm a natural extrovert. I really love being on my own now. Like, re- I, Wait, I'm going to stop you there. I'm going to stop you there. You are a trained introvert, but actually an extrovert. Yeah. Oh my God, my mind is blown. (laughs) I never thought of that. Elaborate on that first before you carry on. I didn't mean to, I never interrupt. No, please interrupt me. I'll I'll just, I'll just keep talking because I'm just like a, I'm just like a book that's like pages and pages and pages. So Please feel free to stop whenever. Explain what you mean by being like a trained introvert. Like, was it just stuff in your life that happened where it's like, Kieran, no, shut up. Don't put your hand up too often. That kind of stuff. So I'll take it back to, first of all, uh, because I think the... The context can be difficult to understand without understanding the reason why the context happened in the first place, okay? So if I'm a natural extrovert, you can imagine that I was someone that, as I grew up as a teenager, I played lots of sports. I grew up in a family that was that would praise achievement, that would praise doing well, uh, disciplining yourself and focusing on something and getting good grades, uh, which, I mean, I didn't get the best grades, but I worked hard, so I got the participation award very good when I was in school. And as a result of that, yeah, I love those. <laughs> we end up creating or our sense of identity and anything that we do is related to how we grew up. So that's not specific to what I chose. That's just specific to what I experienced. Now, the majority of people don't realize that they are not what they have experienced. Their experience carves them, but they still shape themselves. And when you take that perspective on yourself, you realize that you are the self-author of your future, you're not the person that's being written based on the past. It's your job to understand the past so that you can now take that pen and decide what characteristics feel like me. Like what, like, oh yeah, like I'm definitely extroverted, but like, am I extroverted for the right reasons? No. Oh shit. I actually don't like being on my own. And I like only enjoy being with people because I don't actually feel comfortable on my own. Well, why don't I feel comfortable if you were to ask that? Oh, well, you know, I like, don't like being in my mind. Why not? Well, you've done a lot of things with, like to yourself and you've really had difficult times in the past where you, know, you haven't experienced that sense of love or you haven't felt that for yourself. Oh, cool. So now I realize I'm looking for that love and validation from other people. Yeah, but does that help me? Is that something that 
benefits me. Oh, no, I'm, I'm always doing stuff that I don't really want to do. I don't want to see that person or I don't want to say yes to doing that thing. Okay, we got to like reevaluate. And that's the inner monologue of, you know, what, like, you know, what my life actually looks like in a few sentences. So then it comes to that point of decision, choice, self-authoring, and deciding what traits. So me, I enjoy being the introvert. I really enjoy time to myself. Like Jess went away this weekend and I got to be on my own. And I've never properly had that in our new apartment before because we're both entrepreneurs. We both work online. Um, so we spent a lot of time together and it was, I was a bit nervous. I'm not going to lie. I was, I was like, oh shit, am I going to fall back into old patterns? Am I going to like do things? I'm just going to regret and waste time and beat the shit out of myself. Like, no, like it was really magical. And like, I really like relish that time. And I'm really looking forward to spending more time with myself and doing more things for me without like doing it for the, for other people, you know? Um, so yeah, like that whole experience, that whole conversation coming back to what you're saying is like, what's the reason you do what you do? And if that reason doesn't feel like you, then it's not you. Like if it's not a fuck yes, it's not for you. Mm. And uh, how would you respond to the counter question, which is we have to learn how to do hard things that will eventually help us out? So let's say we don't want to go to the gym. So it's not a fuck yes. It's your brain is saying fuck no. (laughs) But we all know that like going to the gym, I'm just using the gym as an example. Fucking everyone doesn't want to do something throughout their life. You know, that makes them uncomfortable, but is a good thing. How would you respond to that? So I'm going to preface first in saying that everything I've said there is based on my experience in my life. I am a person, as an example, who's on like day a thousand, if we're going to put a number on it. It's like, don't judge day a thousand off day one. Okay. Like let day a thousand be that chapter of the book. You haven't read the first few chapters yet. And those chapters are the chapter of you. So then if we're going to start on chapter one, it's like, okay, I know a lot. I, I don't really know where or what to do or where to start. It's like, cool. Well, that's probably a good place to start. What do I like? What do I like doing? What do I struggle to do? And what would I like? Like, okay, if we were to phrase it this way, what am I doing like now? What should I be doing? And what do I want to be doing? Like, when you have clarity on those three things, you can, and this is something I do with a lot of my clients, is mind mapping so that you can cut the bullshit, like, cut the flaff. Like, if we were to, uh, like, I love reading. So I love, like, going into other people's stories, like Warren Buffett. Like, um, for someone so rich and you know, just for a quote that he said, like, if you have a list of 25 things, pick your top, like whatever's the top five, focus on them, forget about the rest. It's like, yeah, of course. Like we have so much bullshit that we think we should be doing and all of this. If you see it on paper, if you put it in front of you, it takes it from being this confused mess to clarity, to direction, to understanding and more than that now you can pinpoint and you can start tracking from where you are at point a at chapter one to start getting yourself to chapter two at point b i know that you're gonna say that how do you get from point a to point point b is obviously experiencing things and like learning so it's the journey right what is the best way to define point b for you in the right way so we're on chapter one what can you recommend to someone in chapter one 
to get yeah, to great. again again great question i appreciate it. there's a lot of com- uh, a lot it can, be, it can be quite complex and I'm, i realize i'm giving a lot um, but i want to give a lot as well because you're asking great questions <laughs> <laughs> you're giving great questions yeah so. you're a fucking like neuroscientist here and here i am just being like uh <laughs> how do you get from point a to point b now <laughs> no, no, you want to do a podcast with me debbie so you're getting an insight into what my mind is like and this is an everyday I'm getting it. i signed up for it yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, okay, I'll bring I'll bring it I'll bring it back up. We'll let's paddle on the water instead of deep diving, uh, which is what where I'm I'm all too often. Um, if you struggle to go to the gym, if you struggle to go to the gym, and if it, it, it's like when you go to the kitchen, okay, and you want to eat some food, and it's like okay, like I um I, I like I'm just going to eat that nice thing. But instead, if you were to pause and say, okay, I'm going to give it 20 minutes and then decide. Because that space in between is the difference between acting out of emotion versus acting out of more the rational part of your mind. And with the likes of the gym, if it's something that you don't, I'll just, I'm not fucked. I'm just like, oh, I don't want, I just don't want to do it today. Give it 20 minutes. Like give it 20. If you did say you're going to go, give it 20 minutes because know that, that like not wanting to do something, the majority of the case, it's going to be a, 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 an emotional reason why or an emotional feeling like that kind of stress that uncertain that like um effort in general i don't want to fucking do it cool give it 20 minutes because you already planned it so there's already a part of yourself that has decided previously that this is a thing that you know is beneficial for you so we have that as a um as a as a principle as like okay that's the definition that's cool i can keep that i can hold on to that but now if i've changed my mind that's not really anything to do with like your rational mind that's a little bit more to do with your more emotional mind oh something came up or i had a phone call with like my other half or like my friend just rang me and now i'm just like oh fuck i just want to like chill out and watch some netflix give it 20 minutes see how you feel and the difference is that it's not so much about what you do but giving yourself the space to actually make the choice not fall into the choice and this is the big difference that the majority of people struggle with is realizing that there's a difference between choosing to do something and reactively just doing something or not doing something because of how you feel in that moment Mm, i see what you mean okay and when it comes to that 20 minute mark that you mentioned there is that an actual like stat? Does something happen within those twenty minutes, like biologically? So um, I'm not, I'm not going to quote um, a specific research um, because there's a lot of research that has been done on this topic specifically. But if we're to deep dive into that scene, okay, let's deep dive into that moment you gave the example of. I had previously planned to go to the gym. Time has passed. It's the morning time. I planned it the night before. It's now in the morning. I'm like, oh, I just, I'm not fucked. Let's take the morning time as, as an example. Everyone has a morning time. Everyone can relate to this. The morning time, why do you think we fucking wake up? We wake up because of our circadian rhythm, because we probably need to take a piss and we're hungry. So straight away, our body goes from a state of sleep and restfulness into a state where it now produces more chemicals throughout our body one being cortisol the main stress hormone within our body that tells our body dude like wake up it's time to get up now that form of action that form of get up and go also creates a state of anxiety it creates a state of oh shit i gotta like do stuff and i'm like relaxed i have this bridge that i have to walk over and it's very easy for us to we want to avoid that 
anxiety. We, we want to avoid that worry, that uncertainty by going back to the comfort. Oh, I'm just going to sleep in. Oh, I just like turn out a snooze or whatever it is. Oh, I'm just going to go for a walk and have some food with my friend instead. And if we were to go into it biologically, neurologically, in that moment, there is your, your body has been flooded with that stress hormone cortisol, which means as well that if you're interpreting that situation or that moment as a little bit more of a threat and seeing it as something that, oh, that just won't help, it just won't benefit, know that straight away, the blood flow going to your brain is going to redirect and not go to the decision-making CEO, the prefrontal cortex of the front of your brain. It's going to go to the deeper emotional parts. And one of those more emotional, more primitive, more animalistic parts is your amygdala. Now, the amygdala is the center for fear, for reactiveness, for survival. And you're not going to be thinking straight. So you're going to go straight to black and white thinking, dichotomous thinking of, I wanted to do it, now I don't. It, it was supposed to be something like that was good for me, but now it's not. There's no, it's, it's, it's very emotional. It's irrational. It's getting you out of survival mode. That is the chemistry. But we don't realize that we are not this thing that doesn't operate on, like, you look at my hand and you're like, oh, it's a hand. I cut my hand right now. You will see lots of blood because that's what's inside my hand. And we get very caught up in the superficialness of life that we don't realize the reasons why I might not feel like something when I already said I would do something before. And this is where I'm like, show yourself curiosity. And this is where the curiosity part comes in. Like, why is that the case? Like, and healthy questioning and curiousness in that is always a place that you can rely on because that's your story. That's your chapter. That's your book. And no one can tell you otherwise how or what you feel or what you think, but you, again, taking that, coming back to what we mentioned before, the responsibility part and the curiosity part, like be willing to like read your book. Don't just take it as a book that's like, or someone else has already like written. It's like, dude, you're, you're the one writing the book. You got to realize like what's really going on and what's motivating the words that are being written right now. So if you don't know that, you've never got control. You'll always be reactive and you'll always be to the will of something else or someone else. You have to get into full control over like your performance. And that's what I liked when I came across you, right? Is A, you were a high performance coach for Nike, right? And that's something that I wanted to ask you is with these I'm go we're going to use this keyword a lot, but these are high-performing athletes too. What was the main thing that they struggled with the most? So I worked with even more complex people. And like, I'm not saying athletes aren't complex, but I worked with um, individuals who were working with Nike, but also had very large followings on social media. So there was this, um, uh, there was this social aspect that added to, and again, to give a timeline, I worked with these guys over uh, during 2020, during the start of the pandemic. And a lot of the work I was doing was, you know, yeah, I know it was a crazy time. I remember I was like uh, myself and like my other half, we were in a, like a much smaller apartment and we had our kitchen, which was a living room at the same time. And we lived in like a really, like not one of the nicer areas in Liverpool. And um, yeah, our kitchen slash living room was both of our office living area and dining area for the, and like, imagine everyone's locked in the same room. It was, you know, it was make or break. You know, I feel like 
I was going to either get punched in the face by Jess <laughs> or whatever, um, or, you know, even worse, buried probably with knowing how crazy I am. Um, but going back to like Nike, when I was working with them, they were having to deal with similar issues, similar problems in their own life, let alone anything professionally outside of that. So you can imagine how difficult that can be for uh, anyone who's got professional obligations to perform. So it's not just the case of like, oh, like the athlete who performs on a Saturday and has to manage themselves Monday to Friday. It was that this was an everyday 24-hour thing that they had to perform in. And it wasn't just perform well on the Saturday. It was perform well every day because your life is on social media because who you are, you're an influencer, you're a form of icon. And I was working with um, uh, like a, a few different representatives that were uh, in Germany specifically. So I worked with like a lot of the German athletes. It was quite cool. It was really fun. And like Europe versus the like America, what you think of Nike is very different. It was a lot more on like the fashion sense and a lot more on um, like how, like what the people are like versus just like the, the sport or like focus on the sport. So it was cool. It was like a very different community of people as well. But again, it was, socially complex because the same reasons have already like gone through is that they didn't have a rela that relationship with themselves. They were so focused on the other people that it was, it was really pressing on a lot of their own wounds, their own struggles. And a lot of the time, the majority of people, like we don't grow up. Like this is what blows my mind with school. Okay. And we'll, this is what, you know, a lot of the work I did with Nike, they didn't have a language or a method for understanding their brain and nervous system. And if you don't have a language to understand something, it's very difficult to attribute meaning to a feeling or a reactive state of being. And imagine these guys now being thrown into a world where it's just super reactive and, you know, I just got to like perform. You're going to like mess up more times than not. And that can be very difficult on your, like your self-belief in yourself, your confidence in yourself, your emotional control of yourself, your consistency with your relationships with yourself and any work that you do. And a lot of the job that I was doing was being able to have the honest conversation with them, like what's really going on, but also help them put a language and a method to understanding their everyday life so that they could manage more of the uncertainty and take back that control as well which then you can imagine once you do that for the central pillar, the central person, anything that they touch with like their personal relationships, anything they do with their professional relationships, it all solves itself because you don't need me to tell you about you. Like, you know, you know yourself, but how to execute on these things is very, very, very different. And that, that's, a, that was a lot of my work, which was, you know, it was really fun. How do you develop that language to create that relationship with you and your nervous system or to create that relationship with you? So like it is, is so this is the, like, this is the curious part. Okay. I went through like a period when I finished working as an occupational therapist and I was so curious in myself, like over those years too, I read maybe three to four books at a time for three to four years. I've read like a lot of books. Like I read a lot. I like, I like, I just, you know, I read a lot to say the least. Um, and what I realized was that this is not new information. How it's been translated is certainly new, but these knowings are not new. The meanings behind them have certainly changed because of neuroscience. And we live in a world that's only uh, logically, rationally driven, which is good. And also it has its, it has its like areas of po positive and negative as well, like everything. 
Um, but what really grew my curiosity was more the Eastern philosophies of thinking of the likes of Buddhism, of the likes of meditation and the likes of things that have ancient, like again, Stoicism, like all of these ancient philosophies, there was a spirit of all of them that were, they were the principles that you would see everywhere. And, I, and that brought me to my own journey and my own story with neuroscience, with neurology, with you know, I can tell you some of the fucked up, difficult times I've had in my experience with getting to where I am and why I love what I do, because that definitely came from a place of pain first, not love, which is curious because that's a lot of the case for the majority of people who are anonymous and can't even say that word, anonymous. Anonym I'm broken. Anonymous. Anonymy. Yeah. Like, a, like a, a, the wrong person. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Someone that it deviates from the norm, basically. And I realized that it was the nervous system. It was understanding the brain. Like that was the language to start understanding yourself that no one really knew. And that it was the barrier to entry that all I, I personally found the more Eastern teachings had in Western society. And the bridge in between that, which is what we see nowadays, is everyday neuroscience, is everyday neurology, because we can research not so much, I can't predict how you think, but I can certainly, again, through research in neuroscience, pattern your behavior and then make a form of hypothesis and test that, which we can you know, say is basically neuroscience is, oh, cool. If I do that thing, I'll get that response or reaction. And then if I do more or less of that, I'll get another, like, I'll, I'll get another outcome. And like, that's where I came with like the method that I, I coach for other people. It's like, well, are you seeing this as a threat or a challenge? Like, do you understand what stress is? Like, do you know how to turn stress-based thinking into uncertainty-based thinking? Do you know how to you know, redirect your blood flow from the stressful areas of your brain to more of the high-performing, high-thinking areas of your brain. And I'm not saying, like, uh, I, like, I don't sell anyone anything because I'm like, I'm a practitioner of my shit. I'm like, I'm always going to be the most optimized version of whatever I coach and teach. So because I was going through that journey deep with myself, I thought, and I know we mentioned this before the podcast, like, oh, like I wrote a book. It's like, yeah, I did write a book. I wrote a book on that specific topic because I couldn't find any answers to that that could help me in my situation. So I was like, cool, I'll write one myself and I'll research it myself and then I'll apply it to myself. And that became my coaching business. You know, that became my service. Um, and that was what firstly kind of opened up that opportunity with Nike in the first place. And what does high performance mean to you now? So. I love your questions, by the way, Debbie. You're absolutely smashing it today. Um, <laughs> uh, it's a great question as well. I like the way you phrase that because it, as everything is, it's ever evolving. Like nothing is static. Everything is in a constant dynamic um, and a constant revolution. Um, so there's no attachment to what my definition is to high performance now it certainly was before i was like it's this fucking thing like tony robbins said it like brendan bouchard said it like all the typical high performers said it high performance for me is the person who is able to regularly check in with themselves during the day high performance for me is the person who can prioritize 30 seconds to pause to connect with their nervous system and breathe to allow them to then make a choice. Because when you can make that choice, now you open yourself up to learning. 
high performance for me is an everyday act of commitment, discipline, and self-responsibility with your own story in who you are. And again, as I mentioned, it's ever dynamic and it's always changing. But if the underlying principle of high performance is, again, if we're to define high performance, well, what is high performance? It's achieving things to a, a, a sustainable or high performing rate. But to do that, we must also then realize as well that human beings don't want to be high performing. <laughs> Like we're not robots. We're like we're we're humans. Like we were like you know we our biology it's not changed that much in the last like hundreds of thousands of years. You know we've got this brain now, and this brain likes to think the way our heart likes to beat, and that's awesome. That's cool, and we're doing some fancy things, and it's gotten even crazier over the last few years. Thank you, Elon, and technology, and all the above. And because we haven't changed that much. It's like, I just like want to like sleep. I want to eat. I'm wired to, you know, like mate, like find a partner. If that's something I want to do again, biologically, that's how my system works. So already it, it can be quite difficult for us to do anything high performing. Like it's it, like it's the delayed gratification part. And that's where the prefrontal cortex comes in on the foresight of the future. Oh, I'm doing this thing that's difficult now because I know it's going to benefit me and make life a little bit easier in the future. And when we take that back to what that means in high performance, that means checking in with yourself regularly during the day, because the more times you do that, the more you can check in and decide what you really want to do. Like, just because I have this plan during the week and that's going to be the high performing thing. Like it was great on Monday, but now it's Wednesday. I'm like, oh, just I'm not fucked. It's like, cool. Let's reevaluate. Check in with yourself. Like, What's body saying? How uncertain am I feeling? How aware of my body am I? Because are any of my thoughts are motivated by emotions. And if I'm not checking into those emotions, then very quickly, I'm going to have a lot of difficulties and a lot of things I'm going to struggle with, which are not going to be traditionally high performing. And what does an optimal self-check-in look like for you? So you said those 30 seconds. Is it just a breathing? We can do it right now. Come on. Let's go. We can do it right now because we've been here for like 40 minutes. All right. So we're going to do this thing. You're going to like just relax your shoulders a wee bit. And again, I'm going to call this more of a um, uh, relaxed moment. Okay. In the like method that I coach, that I work with people, it's we call it the 90, 95% moment. More of the relaxed moments, the chill moments. We're just having some fun. We're enjoying ourselves. Like the rest and digest. That's how our nervous system feels right now. We're having fun. We've got some awesome flow. So what we're going to do is just simply, I want you to take four double deep breaths. So I'm going to show you how to do this. And it's going to be all through our nose. The reason why we do it through our nose is because our nose is linked to more of our sympath our parasympathetic response, our this rest and digest vibe. Okay. Our mouth, more sympathetic breathing. So when what we're going to do, when we breathe in, we're not going to breathe in through our chest. Again, chest breathing is sympathetic breathing. You know, when I'm running and I'm panting. <sighs> Sympathetic breathing. We want to take it down. You know, Wim Hof, take it down. Take it deep, deep like down. Like a wave. We want to take it all like, like a wave, all yeah. the way down. Deep into your belly, okay? So when you're breathing, we're going to go into our stomach and then up into our chest and then slow exhale. So into our stomach and then take that breath, the same breath into our chest and then slow exhale through our nose. And again for me, 
So slow again into our stomach, up into our chest with the same breath. And then slow exhale through our nose. And we'll do it once more, because I said four. And again, in through our nose, into our stomach, up into our chest, and, and ex slow exhale. Now, what you do when you do that, you expand your lungs, you take that second exhale, it allows you to really dance with that carbon dioxide, that oxygen exchange, to start actually oxygenating your body. Because when you're speaking, you kind of forget you're not really breathing that much. And you're like, oh shit, I'm getting a little tense now. Let's check in. Let's get back to ourselves. And even after doing that, you take yourself from sympathetic, like, oh, fucking hell, like, I don't know what to say next. I'm a little bit stressed and Debbie is talking and I can't really listen because now I'm hungry and oh shit, I need to like go to the toilet now as well. Let's check in with ourselves. And that allows you to go back to a parasympathetic change. So anywhere between four to six double deep breaths, just like we did. How do you feel? I'm in an arm. I'm sitting in an armchair, right? But like, I feel like I sank into it a little bit more phys physically. Does that make sense? Like the sensation is more present. And let, let, I, I want to open it up even more. You as the product of your like podcast, okay? And how can we improve the product? You being like Debbie, the like the person with the service doing the amazing thing is to be able to access more of your higher thinking areas of your brain. You do a lot of reading. You've got this memory. But if we don't check in with ourselves, remember, before we did those breaths, you're probably maybe a little bit stressed maybe a little bit sympathetic, the blood flow, it was being redirected somewhere else. So when that happens, blood flow is also taken away from the likes of our hippocampus. Now, hippocampus is one of the main areas where we store memory or where memory is, is first collated and then distributed into more of the uh, other regions, the more cortical regions of our brain. Now, if we don't have blood flow to that, if we don't have more blood flow to this decision CEO area, how are you going to access what questions you want to ask? or where you want to take what questions you're asking me or how to you know like pivot or change something or suddenly come up with an idea that you read a few days ago or with a person you talk to and you're like oh fuck I want to bring that up and you can see by the importance of checking in with yourself just like we did right there the quality of that product being you you can you can be that flower you can express all of your sense of individual and that is why I do what I do because I spent so long not being able to be me because I wasn't able to access those areas because I was so fucking stressed and I wasn't able to access my brain, which is why people end up thinking they're stupid or dumb or I just, I'm not good enough or I always fuck up. It's like, it's happening for a reason. You are amazing. You are awesome. Yes, you can do better, but that comes from a place of first checking in. And that is an example of how we can check in. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's mind blowing actually. As in, I'm sure a lot of people can relate, but dealing with self-doubt and stress and anxiety all the time, it's like, I'm also going to turn 25 next month. So there's a little bit of a quarter life crisis happening, but I've been living in a quarter life crisis <laughs> since the age of like very young, very fucking young. When I turned 15, I was sad because double my age and I'm 30. That was my quarter life crisis. Um, and I never actually thought of the fact that it's probably just my neuro, like my neurology in that moment as well. 
and not tapping into that um, side of my nervous system. You talk about, uh, you mentioned a theoretical model of stress, the one that you came up with, right? What is it exactly? Yeah, uh, the theory initially was that if we applied language to these nonverbal mechanisms, then we could change those nonverbal mechanisms, nonverbal being the body and the body also being the door to your subconscious mind. Now, and that subconscious mind also being motivated by our emotions. So they're all very much linked, but they're all very complex and it's very difficult to understand and put it into one. The method that I work with people that I have in uh, like, uh, like uh, I have like an overarching like practical performance consulting and I work in a lot of different areas. I do a lot of different things. Okay. But it's all centered around this same thing of there's so many concepts and aspects of the mind, of the body, of the brain, and as a result of the spirit and everything else that comes with that. But it's very difficult to put it into one package. I've dedicated like my last five years of my life. I have I, I, like I missed out on going traveling like with friends that I could have gone traveling with. And I saw my friends go to like, so one of my pals went to like South America and I was just like, fuck, like it would be so cool. Like, why am I not going there with him? And I'm like, Oh no, like, you know, you've dedicated yourself. You've financially put yourself in this way. You've, you know, you've separated yourself from the pack. And as sad as that is, I'm like, God, I'm so fucking proud of myself for sticking to that journey for getting through that because I wouldn't get to even be here and have this conversation with you right now or be able to get the transformations I get with the people I work with and the companies I work with if I didn't stick to that difficulty and stick to that journey. And if anything, like, I really want my journey to be something that people can model their own life off so that they don't have to do things the difficult way that I had to do or experience things as difficult as I had to do. And my whole orientation with the method is I've put all these concepts into one, so one beautiful package that you can take and use as a blueprint for you. It's like, it's not about me. It's about teaching you this fishing rod of your nervous system and brain, because if you need me after us, like doing anything together, I'm not doing my fucking job. So like, you got to be able to like handle your own shit. And that's the whole point. It's like, I wanted people to have uh, a language that they could self-mentor themselves, that they could build that relationship with themselves because i mentioned earlier on when you have that foundation that core bottom foundation of the pyramid everything builds stronger after that everything builds higher after that and your successibility your potentiality of life transforms it evolves it flourishes it becomes this psychedelic experience that is life you know and now you're dancing with it you're not in this survival state of fight and flight and like i mean that's what makes like the work i do just fucking fun you know i really really love what i do as a result of that so yeah if that answers your question that's like method is that the double breath that you just like explained i know you want to like paddle rather than deep dive into things but uh, i'm sure that people are asking but how but how (laughs) right now um those non-verbal and verbal mechanisms is that just the theory behind it and do you explain how to like tap into those two everything so at the moment the things that i uh so it's like i'm gonna i'll I'll read a book on this like very similar to how um the holistic psychologist with the awesome things she's done in the like world of psychology and making everyday tools available like i love her for like for like that level of awesomeness because i'm like i took so much from that but i'll definitely do something similar for the brain you know and the nervous system is 
giving you the everyday tools that you can use, the understandings and concepts as what like the why behind that, so you can take that, build your own fishing rod for yourself and catch as many fish and anything else you want after that. At the moment, it's like I do a lot of like group coaching. I do a lot of uh, I'm doing a lot more speaking gigs now, like uh, public speaking, getting away from the laptop and the computer. Um, I'm gonna be like you know, there's some stuff that you know, no one kind of knows about, but you know, I'll give you first access to some stuff. I'm gonna be running some events very soon um, around the UK, which is gonna be fun. We're gonna host our first one in Liverpool. Um, dates to be confirmed as well, um, and they can all be found through my socials over the next few months. So, like again, you know, I'm not someone on the top of uh, like a thing. I'm just in the trenches, a little bit further down in the trenches. I'm still doing the fucking work. I'm still crafting. I'm still humble as uh, like very humble to being the student and doing what needs done. And I'm deep in that at the moment, very deep in that. So there will be access to that on more of a global stage. But, you know, I give so much away on TikTok. Like TikTok is just where I'm at at the moment. Uh, like, I'm like I'm actually, uh, like I know I said it to you, I'm streaming live on TikTok right now for like anyone else is watching or, li- or listening that I was. Um, I give a lot away there, like a lot away there. So if you're wanting to find out more, if you're wanting to learn some of the stuff that like we talked about, and even for yourself, Debbie, I'm like, just look at some of the videos I've already done on this that explain it in 30 seconds, 45 seconds. Yeah, it's all there. Exactly. And you talked about social media right now, right? And I kind of spoke to you about the fact that I want to discuss social media addiction. But right before we chat about that... I want to ask you, how do you get into the zone? And the reason why I'm like bringing this in and piecing it with social media is because I feel like social media is sucking us into a zone. It's just the wrong one (laughs) for our own like personal development, right? So how do you get into the zone, first of all, like flow state? Mm. I love that. That's a great question. There's been a lot done on flow over the years. Flow would be the most optimal state of performance where you're 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 engaged with your brain. You're in this state of your you know, blood flow has gone to the prefrontal area, but you're also in this state of dynamic thought where everything's like a tennis player. The tennis player isn't thinking about hitting the next. They're just in flow. That's why if you told a tennis player to think about that serve more often than not, they would mess up that serve. So you want to be in that state of flow. That's the most high-performing state. That's what you see all the athletes getting paid what they do because that that awesome flow state. Now, flow state is earned, like neuroplasticity. It's earned. It's not given. So you must work for that and realize that it's difficult to get into these states if you've never practiced. Again, anything that the brain does repeatedly, it retains, it rewires. So if there's a lot that we're doing that we're struggling with with our focus and concentration it's first breaking those patterns how can i break that pattern to again start from chapter one and rewrite this new chapter this new book of i want to get myself into a flow state something very simple that you can do as an experiment to yourself to start breaking that habit again let's use some of the neurological principles and you can find this a lot more like complex definitions again i'm giving you everyday tools and like andrew Huberman has done a service to the world for all the podcasts he's been on and for the platform he's given, he's uh, like one of the uh, researchers at Stanford and um, like just a really awesome dude. Actually, when I started the podcast up, like again, I gotta, I gotta get him on it. Um, just a really, like, really curious 
sound individual um, from from what he you know he comes across in social media and the brief interactions I've had with him personally. Um, but he goes a lot deeper into these concepts and into these different things. Okay, so one thing you can do right now, um, if you're listening to this podcast, or if so, it might be in your ears, which might be a little difficult. Maybe you're uh, listening to it on a speaker. Okay, and Debbie, for you right now, you're looking at a screen, so realize that with our vision we have two things okay when you're looking at me for a long period of time you're constricting your vision okay when we constrict our vision and focus on something we have this tunnel feeling that tunnel feeling of not being able to get out of it or i feel stuck that creates that survival response over a period of time especially when we get fatigued and a little tired now i want you to still look at me or the listeners i want you to still listen but i want you to use your mind's eye I want you to use your your mind's ear. So I want you to look at me, but look keep keep your mind's eye looking to the outside, the more panoramic area. By doing that already, that's going to bring your nervous system down. It's going to relax you and bring you into that more parasympathetic state. The same with anyone listening. If you're hearing this, try and bring your attention to more of the outside sounds you're hearing. Maybe I have the window open right now, so if I was to tune into like the birds outside or the cars, that's going to give me that feeling of expansiveness. That's going to allow my nervous system go from subconsciously quite tight to consciously re- realizing we're safe. It's all good. We're relaxed. And by doing that, that now creates different chemical changes within our brain where I'm getting a, a, a flood of dopamine, like this sense of reward of, oh, like there's other options here. I'm not just in this tunnel of like the same doing the same thing. And as a result of that feeling of something new and something exciting, that's dopamine. That's like, oh, that's the feeling of reward for like doing something that feels good like that. Okay. That also decreases the amount of norepinephrine that's being produced as a result of being in that state of tunnel vision. And that norepinephrine is the chemical that helps us start. It's also the chemical that puts in that stop mechanism. So it comes to the state where I've been focusing for so long. I've been listening for so long. I need to take a break. That's where the giving up or stopping mechanism comes in so by doing something so simple as reorientating your attention from looking through your eyes looking through your mind's eye with your eyes at the panoramic areas of where you're looking right now if you're listening listening to more of the wider sounds outside of your constricted environment if you listen to this podcast that is going to allow you to now become the self-author of your nervous system and that is the big difference here i see okay and it's weird, right? Because usually whenever I tap into what you just now said of like flow state and expanding your vision or like sound, I, that has happened to, I learned that in a Buddhist philosophy class in my undergraduate uh, degree. And I started to get like mad disassociated. Like, uh, I, and I always thought that that was a bad thing. I I, I was like, I, I cursed that class actually, because now I'm like, you you screwed me over because I always felt like very fight or flighty in in those situations. I never knew it was actually just f- like a different version of flow state. It's it's definitely it's not. I wouldn't say it's flow state. It's the door to open yourself up to the opportunity of now achieving a state of flow. If that makes more sense. Oh yeah. So it's kind of like bringing you more to like the present moment, like bringing your brain towards this task is going to happen now. This is the environment you're in. 
Is that it? Yeah, exactly. And then it allows you to way. your curiosity <laughs> to know to think of like what's next like because now you're here you're not thinking of over there you're not getting sucked into the screen and coming back to the social media aspect when you look at your phone i fucking encourage you do this it'll change your whole life for the rest of your life when you're looking at your phone okay i want you to make sure that look at it with your mind's eye meaning realize the amount of time you look at something in a constricted manner no wonder we become so receptive to bro marketing to become to like all the Facebook ads and everything that pops up because we're in a stress state. We're vulnerable. We're getting preyed on TikTok with the algorithm. We're just flicking. We're ruining our attention because we're just mindlessly flicking and flicking. And my attention is less than a goldfish because I'm just flicking and flicking because I feel constricted. That's not our fault. That is cause and effect. But when we take back control, when you're looking at your phone next time, Look at the difference of what it feels like when you're looking at, at it, but your mind's eye is on the outside panoramic around the environment you're currently in. It will completely blow your mind because you will have a moment of, holy fuck, what am I doing? Yeah. <laughs> Pull myself out of that subconscious matrix for a few seconds. You kind of already answered that question in dealing with the social media addiction because when you do look at it just like, oh, I'm just this device is controlling me right now. Like it just gets you like thinking and whatnot. So yeah, that's step one into like breaking a social media addiction. I think that it's such a tough one with social media. And I say this every time. So everyone who's listening is like, Deb, we've heard you say it so many times. It's great. It's great. It's great too. I think that there's so much information on there and I learn something new every day. The one thing that I struggle with with social media is not fear of missing out, but fear of learning sometimes, which brings me back into it. So it's probably like an algorithmic thing to blame, although the, there's no one to blame, I think, besides like tech companies and whatnot. Um, but there's always that element of, holy shit, if I don't go on it right now, I might come across a new way I can present myself, a new way I can edit a podcast. And <laughs> that like sucks me right back in all the time, you know? But uh, it's just, I know that like I have to let go of the fact, like I'm always going to lose something. It's like walking into a library, you're not going to read everything. There's usually always something good to learn in each of them. You know what I mean? Sorry, can I just interject there? Because you said a few interesting points. Uh, first of all, going back to what I mentioned on, um, like using that technique, okay? That is like an example of a page one, chapter one of taking back control of your brain and nervous system to change your life, okay? Chapter one, page one. For the example then that you just said there for yourself, and I think it's important as an example to maybe jump into a little, if that's okay with yourself. I have, I have, I have permission. Yeah, 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 you have my consent. <laughs> awesome, amazing. So with that point of view, okay, of let's take the example of, I feel like I must look at my phone to learn something, okay? So now we are already engaging in a, and again, anything we do, we must then ask what relationship, okay? Relationship is the foundation of every single thing you ever do, say, see, or touch. Relationship. There is an opposite side of the coin. If I am looking at my phone, what is the relationship right now? There is a sense of need. There is a sense of if I, I, I don't have, okay? Okay. 
which means that now you are the slave to your phone to learn, which means that learning is not in your control. You are being subjected to learning, meaning that you're not the one self-authoring your learning. You're the one that's allowing the, the again, the algorithm decide what you learn, when you learn, how you learn. That's what like, you know, people who are very smart with algorithms and their companies, whether they're multimillionaires is because they play on the nervous system like this. Okay. How can we take back control? I'm going to give you an example. When we grow up, okay, we're kids. What's the difference between when we're kids to when we become, we become teenagers, we become socialized a little bit more. Our brain grows. We get this, this uh, element of me being me identity but before that we're playful we're fucking weird like we're fucking weird as kids we do the weirdest fucking thing as kids don't we of course we do now when we take that back to our life in general with our relationship with ourselves, you gotta be fucking weird like if you're not weird with yourself then you, you like i would really strongly question the relationship you have with yourself because you probably don't have a pretty strong relationship with yourself as a result i and this, I'm only saying this going deeply into the learning aspect because I myself have had such a fucking crazy experience with learning. And the example you gave is so fantastic because I feel so many people struggle with something similar as well. I, when it comes to learning, do radical things, okay? And everything's down to questions, not answers, okay? And the utility of the questions that we ask and also the utility of the answers we're getting. How useful is the information? You're the one that decides what's useful. You're the director. You're not the act. You're like you're not the actor. You are the actor director. But if we just person directing and deciding, no, this scene instead of that scene. And if I'm the actor, I'm always the one that's subjected to going into that because someone else says or something says. You're not in control of your shit. You're not in control of your life, and that's okay. Again, like you know, this is just like human beings. It's like that's an area that I want to get control of. Amazing honesty, reflection, compassion. You're a human. You're fucking amazing. Like just who you are is enough. Like that's cool. You're just becoming honest to what the fuck is going on, and that's also cool. You know, like that's awesome because now, like it's like oh shit, like I can do something else i can like learn differently so like examples of things i do i have a notebook i just like carry a notebook around with myself all the time i have on and off for the last number of years it's like ideas questions how am i feeling what am i doing and then that directs my learning it's like what do i want to read oh, like i don't want to read a full book cool go to the index what words do you have in your mind? Look at it. Go on Google. Like, do your own research. Become your own self-researcher. And learning becomes, again, learning is not about what you know. It's about how you use what you know. And the utility of that then translate to the execution of that as well in your actions. Because I'm not what I say, I'm what I do. I'm not what I learn, I'm what I do. Can we see like the, 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 the massive difference there? Which is crazy. I find myself looking externally for more knowledge and more whatever. And I never thought of actually turning internally and like sitting with myself and giving myself the space and time and room to allow myself to be a little bit of a genius, you know, in this moment. <laughs> um, satire, but I'm sure everyone gets what I mean. When it comes to improving our brain health now we're at the one hour mark you also obviously you mentioned all these tools is there anything and this is what i want to tap into with brain health right are there any 
supplements that worked for you. Again, everyone can do whatever they want with their time, money, bodies, anything that works for you. Any habits, meditation, Wim Hof breathing, cold showers. I don't know, stepping on grass barefoot. <laughs> like, uh, what helped you? So I want to preface as well with a key lesson that I have used to maintain uh, operational control when it comes to any of these things. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to preface with a key lesson. The key lesson being any supplementation is not the foundation of any change that I want to create. It is, it is in addition, similar way that my relationship is not what makes me happy. I am happy within myself and the relationship is a complement to that. The same thing with any supplement. It's a complement to what we're doing. Now, what does that complement look like? Okay. If that's the principle is that supplementation can help for accountability. It can help for getting skin in the game, like getting that buy-in to like, okay, like I'm committing more. Like I'll give you an example um, before we go into like some examples specifically for brain health, because I'm aware of time for yourself as well on the podcast. Um, like I'm training for an Ironman at the moment. Okay. And I was like, cool. Like I had such a fucked up relationship with my body for such a long time. And I was like, ah, oh, I need to always have a six pack. And I was like, oh, now I don't have a six pack. And I'm like, I'm a piece of shit. And it's like, dude, like, that's not the case. Like, you know, you're still amazing. You're still like a beautiful human being. Like it's, it's okay. So I'm doing this journey. I'm, I'm doing this journey and I'm like, I'm going to get some protein powder. Like I don't like, I'm like, you know, I, like I eat very well, like, you know, not, not so much thanks to myself, but Definitely thanks to myself a little bit more now. My other, my other half definitely helps out too. And uh, I, I got some protein powder and I was like, awesome. Like protein powder will be great because it'll help me for skin in the game. I'll commit a little bit more to like eating a little bit more disciplined. And also I'm like hitting a little bit more of my protein requirements and like, awesome, cool. It's a supplement. It's not the foundation. It's to help me, but it's not to, it's not the be all and end all. And that's the same thing with any form of supplementation as well it is secondary to first of all maintaining that control because if you have to rely on a, a supplement all the time i'm sorry but that's not sustainable like that's not okay like thank you like the pharmacology industry for <laughs> for you know over medicating people and slaving people as a result it's true so if we think a little bit about that what things can help with brain health there's a lot of awesome things that can help out and a lot of companies have done really cool things where they've taken the blends of different herbs and spices and all awesome stuff and plants, and they've put it into a small little capsule that you can use. Now, there's a lot of different um, examples. I'm not going to mention any specifically because I'm not sponsored by any and I'm not using any um, myself at the moment. I'll give some examples of some stuff that I, that I have used and I do use. I will always make sure that I hit the bottom foundation of my micronutrition. Okay. And I'm not saying I'm a specialist in nutrition or new, uh, brain health nutrition. I'm just saying what works for me. So take away a pinch of salt. Okay. <laughs> Preface pinch of salt. I'll always make sure again, we're in the Northern hemisphere. So I'll have some vitamin D3 fat soluble. Okay. And we can, there's a lot of reasons why that specifically, but for the short case, vitamin D3. I will also make sure I have a, a vitamin C supplement with zinc to make sure that it goes in and digest through my body, not just pissed out of my body. So that's where the zinc comes in to help with the uh, bioavailability of it. I'll always make sure as well that I have a, a vitamin B as well, again, for usual metabolic functions and all functions. Um, another one that I use for sleep at times is magnesium glycinate. 
if I've said that right. Um, it's awesome for sleep. Magnesium is one of the one of those beautiful little like micro minerals that uh, is used in all of the complex mechanisms, at least the majority of them in our body, which is super duper complex, like super duper complex. Other things that I use for more performance, if I'm tired that day, and I haven't gotten that much sleep. Um, I'll prioritize uh, again, and this is something with nutrition or with supplementation. I will try and prioritize a practice over supplementation because if it comes from me first, that's something I can always have. I'm not relying on something else to give me. Another key principle. What I'll do if I'm tired, some L-tyrosine. Now, ideally, if I can get that in a powdered form um, and get it as an acetyl form, acetyl L-tyrosine, it'll be more bioavailable for me. And that's something I use to help with that agitation. It also helps as a precursor for L-dopa, which is a precursor for dopamine. And dopamine, as we've already gone through, is that, oh, I can do stuff. I can have that feeling of excitement of that potential reward. Okay. Thank you, Amazon, for uh, smashing their business on that exact neurotransmitter. Um, what else do I use? Is there anything else specifically? Um, I'm just racking my brain here a little bit. Uh, some theanine, because we all drink coffee, don't we? So some L-theanine is great as well for uh, managing the level of excitability that we end up digesting coffee as well. So like, uh, that, again, coffee, it's an ergogenic, ergogenic stimulant, meaning that it excites our nervous system a lot. So if I can take something to kind of calm that a little bit, I'll also have um, honey with my coffee that's black. I just prefer black coffee. And I'll have some MCT oil with that as well. Now, MCT oil helps, again, um, help with the, the, the digestibility of the caffeine, like make it more long standing, kind of like the way you'd have oats as like a good, like, you know, carbohydrate source because it's slow digesting. So I just want to slowly digest my caffeine instead of get it all at once, hype myself up and prime myself to be in a stressed state. If you get me. Um, in a nutshell, there's a few things that you could jump on. Yeah, that's a blueprint. And in terms of habits and actions, meditation, that sort of thing. I'm going to say no to meditation. And the reason why is because meditation is a level, like it's a chapter 10 thing. It's not a chapter one thing if you're new to doing stuff for your mind. Okay. It can be quite scary for the majority of people to spend time in their own space. There was research done actually um, that uh, if you had the option of, it was electrocuting yourself or spending some time on your own, that there was, I'm, I'm going to be wrong in my quoting of this, but if I was to quickly summate, it was, I think, 33% for females and 66, 67% for males. 33% uh, of females said they would like electrocute themselves versus <laughs> like space themselves, time in their own head, versus 66% or 60-something percent of males saying they would fucking electrocute themselves before spending time with themselves. So if we take that as a preface for meditation, like <laughs> meditation is difficult. It's like it's... Again, it's a chapter 10, a chapter one. So a chapter one thing in practice, it's, it's hard. It's super hard. It is super hard. So like self-compassion, love, understanding, like show yourself some, like, it, like it's difficult for a reason. So like stop mm -hmm. saying it's not difficult because it is. Something <laughs> that you can do to calm your mind. Uh, again, breathing like we just went through today. So like that's going to be the most powerful thing. Again, your breath is what... Um, operates the rest of your body in any activity that it does breath first everything afterwards body first mind afterwards uh, the more things you can do in your body the more you'll be able to regulate and manage the thoughts in your mind I, again another key a key lesson there okay 
So you can have fun with that. Like, like the kid in the play zone, how I like things and how you like things different. I like to have cold showers. I like, I love, I love, I love the cold. I like to exercise. I like to do endurance training. I like to do calisthenic training. I like to go for walks. I like to do some yoga. I like to journal all of these different things, whatever you can do to get out of your head and into your body, know that mood will follow action. And if you do some action first, your mood will begin to regulate. If you like art, grab a canvas, start painting. Like uh, that sort of thing. If you like to clean, start cleaning. Just make it your jam. I also find music, funnily enough, really therapeutic. And I always say I have a really, dare I say, not complicated, but I have a very distant relationship with music. Unfortunately, I appreciate it, and I forget so often what a good thing it is and how it can influence my mood. Like just a few tunes, and I'm automatically out of a shit mood. So that's also something that, like, even if you don't like music, listen to some fucking Whitney Houston or something. I don't care. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. Get off the exactly. fucking phone. Exactly. <laughs> yeah exactly like and like i I mean i love like i'm super like like musical in like general i love music and um as like a fundamental i'm like if you don't like music like i don't really trust you (laughs) like what's going on if you don't like if if you're just listening to like pop like i'm just like dude like if you don't have like genres that you generally like you like and you don't have music for different moods i'm like what's going on there let me i don't even want to see what your spotify playlist is like um but again, I'm going to like like say something that's not the sexy conversation, but gets the sexy answers and the sexy results. What's our relationship with music? Because the majority of things we do that we really love, there's also a point of if we do something a lot, there's going to be a relationship of wanting to escape, of avoiding, of procrastinating. And that is okay, but it's not okay when we're not aware that that is a pattern. And when we even open our eyes to that, well, that opens up a whole different world for us in general as well. Yeah. So, like, is the preface, like, if we were to summarize this conversation in one sentence, right? Are you not implying or preaching, but is your main message just analyze every relationship you have with anything? Like, like question yourself and be honest with yourself and then you can move forward. If I were to like try and understand you, you know? No, I, I, I think you got the fundamental definitely right. First of all, is the relationship part. Yeah, no, you did 100%. You know, like a relationship is the best, like the biggest thing there. You know, like it's great active listening as well, by the way. That's awesome. Um, and really powerful, like very, very true. Um, I, I've done like a good few podcasts over the years and it's like, I appreciate someone that like genuinely listens for sure. Um, relationship, uh, what, I, what I would say in a sentence is not, not so much the questioning, but more the curiosity that there is a relationship. Because that changes okay. the dichotomy, like, like realizing that there's a dichotomy. There is like mm-hmm. a, pl- there's a plus and a minus. There's a two and a four. Like there's all like, you know, it, there's always a, um, the, if it's not, if it's too one-sided, then it's probably imbalanced. If it's imbalanced, then there's another part of the conversation we're not aware of. And that's enough to get you going and start 
jumping into the rest of the conversation as well. I see. I appreciate that. Like uh, questioning versus curiosity soft it makes it sound less threatening. Like it sounds softer and less intimidating. You know what I mean? And kind of not closes a door, but even when, when I said questioning, I was like, oh, that's a bit harsh in the sense of I feel like I might tap into a more self-sabotage like tone when I like try to answer that question versus curiosity is just like, oh, let's see what, let's see what's in this treasure box today. You know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, I appreciate that. Okay. I think, I think we're good to go. I think we gave everyone a blueprint. I'm sure everyone enjoyed it. Kieran Fox. Thank you so much. Where, so obviously we've got these events coming up. What and where can people find you? And what do you post about mostly? Yeah, great questions again. Um, uh, TikTok, uh, I post anywhere between like three to six times a day there. And I'll be doing a lot more lives there as well. So TikTok, definitely find me there first. Um, Teach me, Instagram. Boy, what? Yeah, I know. Uh, Debbie, I live, I live in, I've, again, like uh, you see like you, minute, like seconds of wisdom is years of practice, you know, and years of fucking up and doing the wrong thing. So I do things very right now, but only because I've done things so wrong for so long. Um, so TikTok, first of all, um, Instagram, uh, TikTok first is Kieran Fox. Uh, brain coach instagram you can find me at kieran fox brain coach there's a newer page there that i'm actually fostering um and also uh, the mind guy, uh, mind guy official on uh, instagram as well that's my longest standing page uh, long standing uh, community of people there and what i post about is everything that we spoke about today the main thing getting out of your head into your body and uh, prioritizing the principles of any of your mood will follow action and how to put a language to the relationships in your life that you do every day, but you haven't had the conversation with. And my job is to give you the tools to practice, to do when you're having that conversation so that you can now become the self-author of your nervous system. And as a result of your life and anything that you do afterwards to be able to express the, all of that magic potential and turn it into lifelong results. Amazing. Thank you so much for joining me, Kieran. It's been a pleasure. And thank you for listening, everyone. Longer Days Collective.